Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to week two, new opportunities for growth. My name is Adam Barragato. Again, I'm one of two instructional designers who has the honor and privilege to talk with the amazing Dr. Newton. Kathy, this week, uh, we're talking a lot about accounting and, and I am not an accountant, nor was I ever good at math. And so my first question that I'm going to ask for our listening audience is, um, why would why would someone like me or your learner uh, who may not be in the who may not be working in the finance department or maybe have an interest in finance? Why would this be important for them to know about? Great question. And maybe one of the most important things, by the way, as I talk about this, I'm going to talk sort of at a conversational tone. I really want you to understand why we do things in, in this is mostly by the way finance we're not going to do credits and debits and ledgers uh, but for those of you who know that background it might be helpful but it's critical that everybody and i don't care whether you're a manager but if you are a manager you really need to know how money works in an organization and if you're an employee i think everybody needs to know especially nowadays because it is very easy to cause big problems in a company with really small actions. And I'll tell you uh, some key things I think that make it important for you to know about finance. One is you need to have the common language down. You need to understand when somebody's talking about sales, for example, versus profits. That's a very simple illustration. Sales, how much revenue comes into the company, um, that has nothing to do with profits. If I spend enough to spend too much money in my production costs, or I don't sell enough, I'm not making enough of a margin to cover. I'm not going to make profits. And in fact, it's highly possible for me to have huge sales and not actually make a profit. And so, understanding those those differences is part of why. I think everybody needs to know the language of finance. You also need to know how your decisions contribute to everything in a company. And that's whether you're a manager and you're you know, making sure your team is on task and you're keeping um, operations efficient so that that turnover generates so much revenue at a certain point in time, or whether you're in the warehouse and you're concerned about theft or other kinds of loss. You know, and I, I see this kind of thing happen all the time. All of a sudden, we've got three items gone missing, or maybe they're busted. And somebody says, oh, well, we'll just sell a couple more tomorrow. Uh, let me tell you, if I only make, let's just say, 10% profit on a single sale item, in order to make up for those two items that I just lost, I'm going to have to sell probably 30 or 40 of those items to make up for lost revenue. And there's really no way I can make up for it. You're going to understand a whole lot more because you'll understand how these profit ratios actually work. So you'll be a better manager. You'll be a better employee. You'll be able to better communicate the real value of actions also to your employees. Just coming in 10 minutes late every day that might result in a loss of a sale can be put to dollars and cents that goes directly off of what should be a profitable bottom line. I mentioned profit is also not the same as sales. It's also not the same as cash. You know, I can actually be on paper, extremely profitable and have no cash in my checkbook. All right. And if I've got to make some more, if I've got to purchase some more inventory, um, I, I could be in real trouble here. If I've got to go to the bank for more money, they're going to want to know, well, when's this, when, when is, when are these profits on paper actually going to translate into dollars 
been since into your checkbook. So, uh, it, you know, again, the way that we look at money is 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 critical for every employee. So, lots lots of things to to relate to here, and you'll learn so much in this class, and we'll help you answer those questions. So, Kathy, how do the financial statements relate to each other? Well, we're going to start with the three that are most basic, income statement, balance sheet, and statement of cash flows. Income statement will look a lot to you, like maybe even your home budget, because at the top, you've got the amount that comes in, revenues to spend, and off of that comes your expenses. Typically, cost of goods sold comes right out of that, and then you've got an operating mark profit that you, you pay for everything else out, and then lastly, you're going to have earnings before interest and taxes, and you got to take those off to get to the all-important net income or bottom line. So there's that income statement. Literally, how profitable is my business on that one sheet? And it covers a year. That's an important piece. We have to say at the top of it, this is the period of January 1st, December 31st, you know, 2021. There it is. Now, the next one, balance sheet, is different. You know, if this talks about what's going on with my profit, so profitability over a year, then balance sheet reflects how I generate that money with what kind of assets. And in fact, it's called a balance sheet because assets is on one side and liabilities and owner equity is on the other side. Assets, everything that I own, I'm going to have current assets, starting with those things that are highly liquid. That means turn to cash. The top one is cash, right? But I can, I can, you know, my accounts receivable are going to turn to cash pretty quickly, 30, 45 days on average. Um, I'm also going to have other little longer term things that will, 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 will trickle in. And then I've got my fixed assets, my property, plant, equipment. That stuff is there. Now, here's the deal. That left side of that balance sheet, all those assets that I just mentioned, I have to pay for them some way. And it has to be recorded. And that's what goes on the right side of that balance sheet. At the top is owner's equity. At the bottom is, I'm sorry, the, at the top is liabilities. At the bottom is owner's equity. All right. So look, I only have two ways to pay for any asset that I have, right? I borrow the money, right? Or I own it. So that's why on one side of that sheet is all my assets. The other side is, is my you know, um, liabilities and owner's equity at the very bottom of those two, they exactly equal each other. It's called the balance sheet. And unlike the income statement, this is one time a year I look at this. It's literally like taking a snapshot throughout my company of all of the different values that I have, whether it's my inventory, whether it's my what the value of my property is. And by the way, that property is going to be at the point in time which I purchase it. So there's another piece. I mean, some of these are going to be historical records, so to speak, in your accounting processes that are reflected that way. So a balance sheet is a very different look at your business, but also really valuable in terms of understanding where is my where are my investments in this business? How is my capital investment structured? Do I have more money in ownership? Have I do I own most of these assets over here, or have I tied a whole lot of debt into this business? Critical if I'm a banker, right? I really want to know that information. The last one 
um, that statement of cash flows is critical too, because as I mentioned before, I've got profits. I can see that on my income statement. I've got lots of things moving in and out of this business over a year. What I don't know is exactly where does that cash come from? This, this particular statement literally hinges on three things. It helps me identify cash flows from my operating portion of my business, you know, money. I've also got cash coming from investments that I make and financing, you know, where does that is? And that's going to include interest debt that goes out of it, right? So it's inflows and I get outflows in all of these. And um, so between those cash from operations, cash from investing, cash from financing, um, I end up with a net cash change for the year and I can tell exactly how much. Now, it it is an aggregate look of all of those things over a period of time. But again, very helpful for me to understand where are my cash flows operating in and out of this. So, Kathy, one of the things that I'm, I'm wondering, again, I'm the voice of the non-finance person. Well, actually, Elizabeth and I are. Please do. Yeah, because that's that's a hard subject to talk about. Maybe too much. <laughs> well, you, you're doing a great job and I, I very much appreciate it. I think the thing that I'm struggling with is it is the balance sheet then it's not dynamic. It's only like a, a moment in time. Well, it, it changes every day. So how do we keep, I guess that's the thing. Like, so how do we know, you know, how we're doing? How do we you know do all these things? Or is that too soon of a question to ask? You know, on our regular financial statements, we do that once a year, you know, from a, from an, a, from a tax standpoint, from your CPA standpoint, they're going to look at that once a year. It's one of the most frustrating things to me as somebody who's been learning this and still teaching it over years is that really we look at December 31st or whatever the last day is of your fiscal year only. And that's the balance sheet. And that is absolutely true. We do that. Now, that doesn't mean as a board of directors that I might not look at one that's growing every you know three months. I might look at this quarterly and say, okay, where are we to date on this balance sheet? And what would that look like? But you could also see that at December 31st, it's going to look similar every year because wherever I am in my business cycle, it, it is going to be similar that way. I have occasionally run across, across companies that average certain things between the middle of the year and the latter part of the year on those balance sheets. But really, from a, a strictly accounting standpoint, it's that 31st that goes into the record book, so to speak, for the balance sheet. It, in a literal sense, all the values of all of those things change every day. From a financial standpoint and accounting standpoint, we only record it once a year. So obviously these statements are big, sounds like they're big spreadsheets. We've got the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows, income statement. Is there any, are there any star numbers on those um, statements that people talk about most well, frequently? If you're an accountant, yes, there's lots of, of numbers that go behind those. But when you're actually looking at those, let's say you're on a board of directors, there's going to be an income statement and balance sheet. And, and yes, they can be two or three pages long because they put lots of details in them. But they're fairly easy to, to interpret um, it, it, once you know what you're looking at. But what you're asking is a little different. Which one of which numbers? Yeah, are, they, are there star figures kind of? Yeah. What are the what are the key things that that, that matter most? And honestly, I'm gonna say 
to a large degree, it depends on the kind of business I'm running. You know, if I'm in manufacturing, I'm going to care a whole lot about those operations and that work in process and inventory. You know, if I'm in distribution, it's going to be, you know, turn and earn. How fast am I moving these margins and what's going on in inventory? But in general, I will still say in any business, I've got to know my sales. What's going on with that? Where is that? Is that in a growing mode? Um, I need to know my profitability. That is, you know, I've got this this revenue coming in from my sales and I've got my expenses going out. What's left over is really critical to me. And I also, as I sort of mentioned before, I got to know my cash. I have to know from a, whether it's a cash, probably going to be a cash budgeting standpoint, how much cash flow do I have for my working capital? And is that good? And, you know, smaller businesses in particular can struggle with these things, but so can large ones. And interestingly enough, I can be in a real growth mode and get in real trouble with the cash. They're not the same thing. So, um, but, but, you know, again, uh, those change dramatically um, over time based on what's going on in my business. You know, if I get, as I get into my real height of my season, I'm really going to focus differently on, on things in my, in my business, in those numbers. Kathy, you, you talked about growth mode and getting into trouble. What, what did you mean by that? Well, okay. Imagine that all of a sudden I've got a brand new product. And I put it in the marketplace um, and, I, and I forecasted it to, to be, you know, what sort of what my past sales have done in those. Everybody kind of looks back at their products that have come before and got some idea of what this is going to be like. And all of a sudden I get one that growth mode is, you know, almost, um, you know, sure, sure vertical climb, assuming that I have production capacity for that, which I probably don't. I'm still going to have to um, probably now maybe go instead of one shift a day, maybe two or even three shifts a day, right? And so now I'm paying maybe three times people more. I'm paying three times the raw material that I need, if assuming I can get it. And I've now got a lot more working capital in terms of employees I'm paying, raw materials are going into production processes, not to mention the output and the stuff that I'm going to have to transport to get to, you know, whether it's distribution or into my own warehouses and I'm shipping direct, whatever it is. Can you see how much more dollars I'm going to have to spend to manage that growth? It's huge. If I hadn't planned for that, if I hadn't expected that. Now, you know, if I've got a great balance sheet, I've got a lot of cash or I've got a lot of money and I can go to the bank and have a ready line of credit available for that, that's fine. But if I've never experienced this kind of growth, I'm kind of new in a small business, I may have real trouble raising that kind of capital that fast. That's what I meant. I mean, you know, find myself selling out of an empty wagon because I can't get more money to make more product fast enough to to meet the demand. Now that would be a sight, Kathy, seeing you selling a product out of an empty wagon. That I would love to see. <laughs> Not fun. So let me ask you this question then. Uh, you use the term uh, liquidity uh, once or twice. Um, I know you've used the term debt as well. You know, how do we, how do we figure out, how do we manage like what's enough uh, liquidity or cash uh, to debt ratio? Like, what advice do you have to your learners as they're, you know, trying to 
trying to help their businesses make that decision or try to have those conversations? Well, if you're looking at debt ratios, I mean, clearly you don't want to get much over. It's a, it's a rule of thumb, but it depends on the business and depends on timing. Timing is everything. You know, and if I, again, if I'm in a really big growth mode, um, I, I may shift up into a little higher debt, you know, relative to the assets that I have, um, especially if the opportunity in the market is great, if it looks like I can uh, grow with this readily. On the other hand, most of the time, you know, we, we want we want that. Number one, I want to be able to service that debt well, because my bankers, my stockholders are going to make sure that I can pay for that interest and then some, right? That I'm never in a, a point where I can't take care of my interest payments. More than that, long-term, that I'm solvent, right? That I'm never going to get in a situation where I can't afford the debt that I've taken on. I'm going to be able to actually generate the revenue based on the in, these investments that I've made. I'm assuming that the debt that I'm I'm incurring is is a wise investment and is actually going to generate increased um, sales and profitability for me. But as we know, that that doesn't always occur. And and that's the kind of thing we've got to keep a really close eye on. I'm conservative um, in in nature. Um, The companies that I've worked with had tended to be really conservative, liked to own property, you know, like to have a really solid balance sheet with with debt available for investments as they needed it, but getting up, you know, you never want to get to where you're 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 incurring, um, you know, way too too much debt for the assets that you have. It does depend on the industry you're in. Some clearly have more more typically more debt than others. But so, Kathy, what numbers on these statements do people look at? and misinterpret and get themselves into trouble with investment decisions? Number one is probably profitability. Assuming that just because I've had some profits in the past that I can go forward and start spending money and taking on more debt and investing in new products. New products are tricky. And I, for your cytotic class on, you know, uh, they used a book of uh, of both business successes and business failures. And one of the big pitfalls is sometimes entrepreneurs have a huge success. And, you know, I, I, you know, we're talking, you know, monumental profits, very successful, literally um, overnight growing to, you know, major corporation. And then thinking that that means they've figured this thing out and they know what they're doing. And so then the next great idea comes around and they jump out and they think that it's going to be the same track record. History is filled with examples of one hit wonders of entrepreneurs who try and try and actually end up in deeper and deeper water because they do that. You know, you have to be so careful when you're in business and and recognize that sometimes we're just lucky, you know, uh, you know, the old, I've, had, I've got some friends who said, I'd rather be lucky than good. And well, in business, sometimes that's true because some people are never lucky. Sometimes it is all about timing, you know, um, a, a really great idea that's 10 years too soon doesn't make any money. In fact, it can get you in real trouble. Um, so 
there's a little bit of all of those things. So depending on experts, finding people to, to uh, go with you in these investments and help you make wise decisions, taking it, no, I, I would say a little at a time is better. I learned a lot too over time being a professor and sometimes in my career, I was building labs and things like that. And I can recall making calls to um, distribution software companies, one in particular that was having pretty good success in, in the supply chain industry. And I, I called them and said, man, we'd love to have that in, your la- in our lab. I just, I think every one of our students ought to have experience with that software because it, it really is growing in popularity. And they said, you know, I thank you. We appreciate that, but we are we are into managed growth. And I said, well, well, tell me more about that. And they said, you know, all of us have been in the software industry for a long time, and we've been in situations where the growth was so fast we couldn't take care of our key customers. We we couldn't be the people on the phone helping them grow with this new software. And so we are taking our time with this and doing it right. And by golly, they did, you know, you know, it's a very old story now and they've long since been, been sold and and done very well as part of other companies now, but it was an important lesson for me to hear that you really do have to carefully manage growth so that you can uh, protect your reputation during those, those growth years. Kathy, that's wonderful wisdom. I'm really enjoying Kathy's corner and I hope uh, your listeners are too because you're providing us with the insight that we need that the textbook can't provide for us. So as we wrap up here, any just closing thoughts or just things that you wanted to make sure was really clear to the learners this week? You know, one thing I'd encourage you to do is is listen to the news and the podcasts, you know, financial networks. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but y- y- even once once or twice a week and and if you're like me I, I tend to get addicted to some of this but you will learn so much by listening to podcasts and news networks related to finance you'll hear these terms i would encourage you as you're learning these to especially be listening i tend to listen to three or four newscasts every single morning um, and, and they're, they're short, they're five or 10 minutes while I'm getting ready or eating breakfast. And so I don't only know, know the news, but I tend to hear the stuff about the finance, um, which is daily. Um, so I, I encourage you to do that because it, it'll make you better users, better consumers of this kind of information, um, actually can help you prevent from stepping into a dangerous situation too. You know, we're in a high inflation mode right at this moment as I'm sitting here in, in 2021, and we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. There's a lot of risks right now, but there's also many companies who are in a, a nice opportunity of getting left. Some of them can't get the inventory at the same time without paying attention to what's going on in the industry and in the economy in general. And like the world supply chain right now, it's in jeopardy. Um, you know, without knowing, without knowing that and, and how it relates to what we're talking about, um, I, I'd say you also can you're taking too many risks by not staying abreast of that. So stay in tune. Kathy, thank you so much for your wisdom. I think that's great advice for everyone. And thank you for simplifying these terms for oh, us. My pleasure. Thank you.